Welcome to the season of Elijah. People wonder why near the end of the liturgical year we go back to the Old Testament and have a season named after a prophet of the Old Testament. Right after this season, in the middle of it, we enter the season of the cross and then the season of Moses. Just a little bit of education on why we have the season of Elijah. We know that when Elijah came, and then when Jesus came, he says, someone like Elijah is going to come again and set up for the coming of the Lord. That's what John the Baptist was. In our tradition, we hold that Elijah will come again to set up for the second coming of Jesus. So the season of Elijah, during this time, we think about the second coming of our Lord. We're nearing the end of the liturgical year. So Elijah's going to come again, and Moses as well. But we all know in the Feast of the Transfiguration, who appeared on the left and right of Jesus? Moses and Elijah. So it's a symbol of his glory, that he's going to come in that same glory. That's the reason why we have it. So our minds are, just like last week, are going to the second coming. We're going to the judgment time. And to see how the Lord is going to handle things. We heard about the Jews in the Old Testament now. They were in the desert. From that whole crowd of people that were in the desert, including Moses, for 40 years, only two of those people were able to actually enter the promised land because of the sinfulness which which they carried themselves in the desert. There were Joshua and the son of Joshua. And that's it. Even Moses himself couldn't go into the promised land. So we're thinking about the eternal promised land. How many of us are going to make it? The statistics are very low. If only two people out of all the people of Israel, hundreds of thousands of people made it. St. Paul says today in the reading, I'm going to read it to you. He's talking about the second coming. He says, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance, Upon those who do not know God. This doesn't mean if you didn't happen to know who Jesus was, you're going to get vengeance. Those who don't, they refuse to know God. And upon those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. He's going to inflict vengeance. He says today, They shall suffer the punishment of eternal destruction and exclusion. Just like the people of Israel in the desert. Exclusion from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Now let me clarify what I said. The ones who left Egypt... They had kids. Their kids were able to enter, but the ones who left were not, just to be clear. So, how will it look for us? We see how our Lord speaks with somebody today, and He said to him at the end of the Gospel, today salvation has come to your house. Okay, I want to I look at you know, what our chances are for heaven by two ways. How we look at other people. Okay, how we look at other people, that's the first half of the homily. Versus how we look at ourselves. Even the author, Luke, said Zacchaeus was a tax collector and rich. People don't like tax collectors, period. Tax collectors are cheating their people. They're betraying the people of the Jews. They're working with the enemy. And oftentimes they're hated because of how much they built their riches on the poor. There are people who are not even having their own nation, stuck under the Roman Empire. So the people knew and didn't like this guy. Period. That's how they viewed others, right? Did Jesus go to him and be like, you, I know your reputation, I know what you do, I know what you've done. You're going you're gonna to get repaid for everything you've done. All the bad you know. I'm going to call you out. You need to change, Zacchaeus. What you're doing is wrong. Did he do that? No. When you go to confession... Do you get yelled at usually? Hopefully not to, by a bad priest, but... No, usually you get the, the message of mercy, don't you? 
And so why is it on our part, one of the greatest sins of the Chaldean community, one of the most top of the totem pole is how we view other people. Classic example, you sit in a restaurant, somebody walks in, oh, do you know who that is? Fill in the blank. He cheated on his wife. He's the one who, you know, screwed up his family relationship because of drugs. She's the one who married this and this person outside the culture. First thing we do, we default to that. I don't know if it's an insecurity thing. We want to build ourselves up. But this is anti-Christian. I mean, this is exactly how the world thinks. You do, not, you do not look like a Christian when you talk like that. This goes against what the Lord did with Zacchaeus. Instead, he didn't hold his sins against them. Imagine if your dirty laundry was aired. Imagine your worst confessions and that's all that people knew you by. And some people, unfortunately, that is aired. And that's all we judge them by. We label them. They don't even feel welcome to come into the church anymore. Because those eyes, we just don't even need to say a word. Those eyes we have, they say it all when we look at, oh yeah, that person. Right away. It's such a terrible plague. And Jesus said to the Pharisees, who thought they were better than others too, He said, the tax collectors, this guy, and the prostitutes will enter heaven before you do. That's, that's something that we need to rewire in our system. It's a very, very anti-Christian sin. And you're going to be shown the mercy that you're given to other people. Period. Imagine, if we just label people this way, how much we're pushing them further away from the church. I want you to consider that. I want you to consider this week how much you talk about your own faults versus how much you talk about others. If you want to talk about the faults of others, talk about your own faults four times more. Then you have the right to talk about others. But how much are you comfortable doing that? The first thing, if someone walks into a restaurant, as an example that I, that's the example I'm going to stick with. How much did you say what you did wrong? And so this goes to how much, this goes to the second part of the homily, how we view ourselves. How do we view ourselves? When the priests here sit in confession, Obviously we know, and that's not a, this is, we go to confession too. I go to confession. I'm not better than anybody in this church. But how much do we abuse confession? Many people in the church do. We just know we're going to have it on Thursday night. People plan their sins based on when confession schedule is going to be. Sunday morning, Saturday afternoon, first Friday, first Thursday, all the times. Do you go less than once a week? Do you go more than once in a week? These are very common. How, how much are we being hard on ourselves as we are on other people, is the point. It's not to shame people, but it's to kind of like make us aware. We take for granted how merciful Jesus is. He was so merciful to Zacchaeus. He was so good with him, so sweet with him. And that, that's what prompted Zacchaeus to change his life, not accusation. St. Francis de Sales says a spoonful of honey will do more effort and more change than a gallon of vinegar. In other words, a little encouragement goes a long way more than reprimanding all the time. Sometimes we need to reprimand. Sometimes you've got to take the stick. Hey, you can't do that, you know? But nevertheless, what worked in this gospel? I would suggest we should put a little bit of that vinegar in ourselves before we put it in other people. We need to be honest with our faults. If you sit down and write down in your prayers, when you actually formally sit down and pray, 
and say, this is what I did wrong, these things, I can't believe. If everyone knew about this, I can't even walk out the door anymore. I got to move to Utah. <laughs> I can't walk around, you know, West Boonville, Commerce, Wild Lake, White Lake, whatever, Farmington. Oh, no. Everyone's going to see me. In other words, how do you view yourself compared to how you view other people? This gospel is encouraging us to think. Jesus said at the end of the gospel, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And so we pin that against the second coming. When we pin that against the judgment that's going to take place, really the judgment is going to be severe. If we don't crush the sin of gossip, if we don't crush the sin of prejudgment, of assuming of other people, God doesn't assume when you walk out of that confession, He doesn't hold it against you anymore. He drops that in the bucket never to be seen again. It's lost for eternity. Even the devil, when priests do exorcisms, the devil can't even say the sins of the person if they've already confessed them. They're gone. They're gone. And so if the Lord lets go, we need to let go. We need to bring other people in rather than repel them away. Watch your tongue. What you say can become a forest fire and can damage irreparably. And so I'll take a little medicine for ourselves, a little bit of humility. What real repentance is, is what Zacchaeus did today. He changed his life. He made real change. How much do I change? How much do I take it granted? How often do I go to confession? This is, this is what we need to think about. So this week will be a little harder on ourselves. Mindful that the Lord is merciful, and we should be merciful with other people too. Amen.